Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Today, I want to direct attention to a message that I kind of started a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago, I did a series called Out with the In, Out with the Old, In with the New. Yeah, all right. And in that series, we did a number of things, and I ended that series with this, that when the old is gone and the new has come, who is that? What is that? And the title of that message was, A Son is Born. All right, that we, when we are born again, we become sons of God. All right, and we also know that that is a gender-neutral term, right? And and so I want to pick up on that theme for a little bit today. And maybe in the future, I'll do a few more. But let me begin with a scripture, all right? Now, this is an exciting scripture. How many like exciting scriptures? How many know Leviticus is an exciting book? Okay, let me tell you about Leviticus. Leviticus without Jesus is dirt boring. Leviticus with Jesus is a really exciting book. But we're not going to Leviticus, all right? I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 3. I won't make you read the whole chapter. I'll just give you a few verses to kind of get the feel of it because this is exciting reading. Are you ready? Okay. It says, the son of Malia, the son of Mena, the son of Mattatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashon, the son of Abinadab, the son of Admin, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez. And Lindsay's texting me this morning while I'm talking. I want you to know right now, I'm outing her right now. I'm reading this scripture and she's sending me a text because I shared with her the scripture I was gonna use today. And she said, you can't read all those names without laughing. And so she just sent me a text that said, don't laugh. Everybody say boo. I will out you in a hot second. I thought it was, it's on. I got you on, Skip. We're good? Can you hear me? Hello, Skip. Someday I'm going to do this to Skip. I'm going to turn off my mic so you can't hear me, and I'm just going to talk to Skip. Skip, this is the Lord speaking. <laughs> Skip, thus saith the Lord, give Pastor Jim that car. (laughs) Can you hear me, Skip? Okay, all right. Okay, let's pick it up. All right. The son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serag, the son of Ruth, the son of Peleg, the son of Heber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalil, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth. And here we go, where I was really getting to, the son of Adam, the son of God. Adam, the son of of God. Yeah, I just read all these just to kind of give you an, a, a little bit of an illustration. I actually wrote a devotional out of Matthew chap, Matthew's uh, genealogy one time. I wrote a 28-day devotional based upon the genealogy in Matthew. It was pr- pretty cool, actually. The reason I do this is the Bible says all these sons were sons of their father, their earthly father. But then it concludes with Adam, the son of God. 
The genealogy lists these people who were sons of their earthly father. Adam had no earthly father. He did not come into the world as you and I. He was not born of a woman. He was born of the father. He was created of the father. He was the created son of God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about the created sons, okay? I'm going to talk about what it is to be the created sons of God. Because how many know this morning, you are the sons of God? Yes, okay? Adam was never created for servitude. Adam was created for sonship. And out of sonship, he would serve. But he was never created to be a slave. He was never created to be a servant. He was created to be a son. How many know this morning that you were never created to be a servant? You were never created to be a slave. You were created to be a son. Now, sons do serve, though. Amen? So let us understand. Let us come back to this is our heritage. This is our, 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 our destiny is to be a son of God. So I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them roll over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Roll over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has a fruit seed in it. It shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky and everything that moves on the earth, which has life. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So let me talk to you for a few moments. Here we see we just read the creation of Adam, the son of God, the scripture refers to. And this created son. He was Adam, the created son. Okay. Think about this for a moment. How was he created? Imagine this for a moment, that God, the God of the heavens, the God of the universe, the God that the universe sings about, the one who created the land and the, and the trees and the flowers and the sun and the moon and the stars that created all of that now is going to create a human. It's going to create a son. And we know that he takes the dust of the earth. He begins to form and he begins to shape and he begins to mold. And how would he create this son? Well, the Bible tells us, first of all, that he was created in the image of the father. All right. How many of you know, typically speaking, sons have some sort of resemblance to the father? All right. I mean, let's face it. You can pretty much put some pictures. Now, certainly we know that some look more like their mother than their father. But how many know there's a resemblance somewhere in there, someplace, generally speaking, sons and fathers, right? If I look at, I look at, I look at Peter and Nathan, there's a lot of similarities between Peter and his son Nathan, all right? And I could go on. George, George and Aaron Bell. I mean, it's like, it's like George and Minnie Me. It just is. And that's a, that's a good thing, right? All right? I look at Tom and Jeremy. Jeremy's much better looking, but anyhow, you know. <laughs> you know? But, but the fact is, there is a similarity. There's a resemblance. So this word, they was created in the image of the Father, is a resemblance, but it also means a representative. God says, I'm going to create a son. I'm going to create a person 
to be my representative, to be my image in the midst of my creation. How many know this morning that we, are, we have been created to be his witness in this world? Come on. We're to be his witness in this world. That when people see you, see me, they should have a witness of who he is. All right? So he was created in an image to be a representative. He was created in the likeness. Now, that's interesting. You think image and likeness are the same thing. Actually, they're not really the same thing. Image was to be this representative. The likeness was God said, now let me create them like me so they can be my representative. Okay, so in other words, one had to deal more with the actual presentation and the representation of who he was, but this is how he was. All right, so, so let me create him in my likeness, with my, with my character, with my nature. Let me put these things in him so that he can be this representative. And then, what did he do this for? He creates him to be his representative in his likeness so that man would then work and preside over the work of the father. Do you know what a privilege it is for the father to say, I trust this to you? about this. I grew up in the tire business. From the time I was, gosh, I don't know, big enough to walk. I was around tires, truck tires, earth mover tires. I'm literally, I'm 13, 14 years old. I can change earth mover tires. All right. There were times where all of our servicemen were tied up on other jobs that one of the mines in the area would call. They had a loader tire that was flat, big high lift, right? My mother would drive the service truck, pick me up at school because I couldn't drive. She would take me to the place and I would do the work and go back home. All right, how did, I, how did, I, how did this happen? It happened because... I was with the Father so much that I learned how to do it, and now I was entrusted to do the work of the Father. All right? It's a privilege to be trusted. God the Father said, I'm going to create you to be my representative with my likeness to entrust my work to you. Man, what, a, what, a, what an awesome responsibility and honor it is. And he still does that today. And, and he says, and, and in order to do this, in order to be my representative is my likeness and to preside over my work, I'm going to give you my role. I'm going to give you my dominion. I'm going to give you my authority. So Adam was a created son who also was created for the role of the father. He says to them, what do he say? He says, rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the air. All right. To have to rule, to dominate, to um, it was given by God. Now, why did God give this? God gave them role, not for them, but He gave it to them for Him. But He gave it to now. Listen, but man was given dominion by God to be used on behalf of God's creation for God. In other words, even today, when God gives you authority, when God gives you a role, when God gives you authority, that authority is given for the benefit of others for his glory. We, as his representative, with his likeness, are to be using his authority for the benefit of others. Dominion, when it is used for purely selfish means, is perverted dominion. 
I've often talked to you before about inverted covering. I see so much garbage in church anymore. I hear this word covering, covering, covering. And it's used such a perverted, inverted way. And all it means is you serve the top. When the fact of the matter is, spiritual covering is always meant for the top to serve the bottom. Always. I give the illustration like this. The baby blanket exists for the baby. Not the baby for the blanket. Spiritual covering exists for that which it covers, not the other way around. Okay? Dominion used against God's creation is satanic dominion. When you use God-given authority in a selfish, manipulative manner, it is satanic dominion. You see it in the garden, and you see it in the book of Kings. How many know when you had an evil king with selfish, manipulative, oppressive, evil reign, it was satanic dominion. We still see it in our world today. There's all kinds of evil regimes that are being used by Satan against God's creation. And so now God says, here it is. I'm going to create Adam in my image with my likeness to do my work, to preside over my work, and I'm going to give him the role to do it. And I'm going to bless him, and I'm going to give him provision. Because I'm going to know, he said, I'm going to give you every seed-bearing plant. Adam would eat today and have seed for tomorrow. How many know the seed for tomorrow is in the food of today? All right. So now watch this. Okay. I'm moving kind of fast because I got a lot to say today. I didn't get to preach last week. But I did get to golf this week. Ha! By the way, I just want you to know I'm sporting the colors today. I'm trying to fit in with the Tyrone crew. It says Scotch Valley Country Club on here. They all thought it said Tyrone Golden Eagles when I walked in the door. They're so self-absorbed in that section, you know? I mean, Penny was so excited she was even on time for church. She was actually early. And Amy Hughes was early today. There's a revival going on in that section. Uh. So you got this son created by God. Image, likeness, work, and dominion. And then Adam becomes the protected son. Because I mean, fathers always protect their son. Don't mess with the boy. Don't mess with the girl. You might be able to get a little bit. You might might be able to get a little bit away with messing with the boy. Don't mess with the girl. I'll kill you. (laughs) Okay. So the Lord, Scripture tells us this. That the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. How many know this is a prohibition by God that the man was not to do? Here's a prohibition. But how many know if we only view it as a prohibition, we miss what it really is? What it really was, was protection for the son. It was protection for the son. You see... Every father gives their sons and daughters things that they don't want them to do to protect them. And if you don't, shame on you. Okay, how many know you're going to tell your son, you're going to tell your daughter, I don't want you doing this. I don't want you doing that. Okay, and you're doing that for their protection. You're not doing it just to be a jerk. Although sometimes we're jerks. Anybody ever had a jerk moment as a parent? 
<laughs> All right. You see, protective prohibitions of a father are protection for the sons. They need to keep them from things that will harm them, destroy them, and minimize them. Fathers who don't provide prohibitions for their children are foolish fathers. You are not their friend, you're their father. Although you can be their friend and father. Immature sons cannot be left to decide the prohibitions that should exist for them. I would love to have made the rules when I was a kid. I tried. That's how I ended up grounded so much. You know how many times I had to sneak in my house when I was a kid? I got locked out time after time after time. I was pretty good at breaking in. I'm still pretty good at it today. Most sons don't like prohibitions, even when they're there for their own protection. Protective prohibitions of a father are protection for the sons. You see, because these protective prohibitions of a father are there to maximize the son's potential. How many of you want your children to be great? Okay, some of you are looking mediocre, all right? Some of you, some of you are, I'm just hoping for mediocre, Pastor. You want them to be great. You want them to maximize their potential. And you want them to do that, all right? And you, the reason you put prohibitions in their life is so that that potential is not stolen, it's not killed, and not destroyed by the enemy of their soul. Okay? A protected son is a son of potential. Uh, you want your kids to reach potential? Protect them. Not just from things of danger, but how many of you protect them from the things that come from them? Because how many know that inside of this guy, inside of, uh, how many know we have a tendency kids on a pedestal until they have that moment where they, we go, oh, where did that come from? You mean that was in them? Yes, it was in them because it was in you first. <laughs> the protective prohibitions of a father are there to maximize the son's potential. The protective prohibitions of the father are there to ensure the destiny of the son. God creates Adam. This is what I want from you. I want you to be my image, my representative with my likeness, to preside over my work with my authority. And here is something I'm going to set into your life so that you can reach the destiny I created you for. These prohibitions are not to stymie you. They're not to take joy from you. They're not to, to steal something from you. They're that you can pull the destiny out of you. The knowledge of evil would limit the destiny of the man to be the image of God. Because how many know we're not capable to handle the knowledge of evil correctly? Man could not know evil and become what God intended him to become. And so now you have this created son who God now makes this protected son. The protection comes in the form of a prohibition. Just don't eat from this tree. Just don't, this one, leave this one alone. This one's mine. And if you leave this alone, you'll live and have potential and reach your destiny. But then something happens. We know, right? The scripture tells us, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it, or touch it, or you'll die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. 
For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. How many know God already created them in his image and likeness? You do not need to disobey God to be like God. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covering. You had Adam, the created son and Adam, the protected son. And now let me introduce you to Adam, the rebellious son. He rebelled. You can't, you can't spin it any other way. Oh, well, he had an issue. No, he's rebelled. <laughs> he had an issue. I mean, we deal with issues now. Our issues are sin. Our issues are sin. Our issues are disobedience. Our issue is rebellion. All right? Sons choose rebellion or obedience. How many of you can only force obedience so long? How many of you, how many of you ever try to scare your kids into obedience for all their life? That only works so long. How I many obedience out of love is a whole much better thing? Disobedience is the act of rebellion against the protective prohibition of the father. It's the act of rebellion against the protective prohibition of the father. Rebellion begins in the heart of the son, does it not? It begins in our heart. It doesn't begin with our actions. Rebellion begins with a longing of the flesh. They saw the fruit. Oh, this looks so good. It's unlike anything else in the garden. I want it. That'll make me like God. I want it. What the father protected them from looked better than what they had. I mean, you ever get a new car? And you're like, I love my car. I love my car. This is so great. This is awesome. Man, all of a sudden you see that one over there a year later. Oh, I like that car. I hate this car. I really like that car. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What the father was keeping from them became the thing they wanted. But he was keeping it from them to protect them, to pull out their destiny and to pull out their, their potential. When the longing of the flesh overcomes you, it's not long till rebellion follows it. Sin is disobedience. Disobedience, in essence, is rebellion. Rebellion is born out of flesh, born out of self. Rebellion is born out of lack of faith. It takes faith to obey sometimes. It just does. Sometimes I've got to use faith to obey because my flesh sure don't want to do it. There's a lot of things we could have used as an analogy this morning. It's not a tithing message, though. <laughs> but I mean, no, tithing requires faith. Giving requires faith. Rebellion is born out of fleshly appetites, what my flesh wants. I want it. Why do I want it? Because it was good for a moment. Let's be honest. Much of the sin I participated in was fun for a season. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you all know, Pastor, we never sinned. And we certainly didn't enjoy it when we were sinning. Oh, you lie, lie, lie. Like the movie Elf, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> Rebellion is born out of believing the lie of Satan rather than the truth of God. Oh, you won't die. You won't die. God, didn't, God, God just knows he don't want you to be like him. 
See, the rebellious son is now born. Which then takes us to the disciplined son. Because how many know fathers have to discipline sons if they love them? If you enjoy disciplining your children, you need therapy. <laughs> you know you have to do it. But I don't know. I, 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 don't, I never enjoyed it. Oh, this is so fun. I can't, I can't wait to ground his butt. <laughs> it's like, like if you like conflict, you need the help. You see, here's the deal. Rebellion in the heart of the child cannot be left undisciplined by an authentic, loving father. It, it just can't be, okay? It, it, remember the scripture in Hebrews? Let me read you the scripture found in Hebrews. Paul, uh, we think it was Paul. Some people don't know for sure who wrote it, but many people think Paul did. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. I know, we've all heard it for years. We all laugh about it. The father says, this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you. That's just not true. Okay. Okay, it might hurt your heart, but when you crack their butt, their butt's hurting more than yours. All right, let's stop lying to them. (laughs) Let's just say, this hurts my heart, but it's going to hurt your butt more. <laughs> now I'll have people writing in the show, do you? You ever think of a smack in the child? Stop. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as sons. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children. For what children are disciplined by the Father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate true sons and daughters. Bible says God disciplines us for our good. All right? It says no, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. You see, God the Father creates his son. Adam was the created son. And the created son, he gave him, he, he protected him with a prohibition. But the son then says, no, 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 no. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want. And he rebels against the father. And now the father, because he's an authentic father, he's a true father, he's a loving father, says, no, 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 no. I cannot allow this to go unchecked. I cannot allow this to go unaddressed. I'm going to bring discipline into your life. Because, see, you got to understand something. Discipline reveals authenticity. It reveals an authentic father, and it reveals an authentic son. There are sons in here today that will probably do something I'd rather they not do, but I'm not going to discipline them. You know why? Because I'm not their daddy. I'll let that up to you. I'm not their, I'm, I'm not their, I'm not their father. They're not my son. The son must be disciplined by the father. The father disciplines whom he loves. Discipline always addresses rebellion. Rebellion must not and cannot be left unchecked in the heart of the child. If you don't check the rebellion, you're destroying that child. It's almost like I'm doing a, a, a God, Jesus, us message and a parenting message all wrapped up in one. And so God brings discipline. 
And in this discipline, he brings to them the curse, the sweat of their brow. The ground was cursed. Man was cursed. The woman, uh, pain in childbirth. Still got pain in childbirth? Just kidding. You know, it's like that one lady I told you about one time. She was going in for an ep- uh, uh, her, have, her, have her baby, and, and, and they were talking about how good it was going to be to have a baby. She says, I don't want a baby. I want an epidural. And God brings discipline into their life. And this discipline was because of the rebellion. It's funny, we read this portion of scripture, and we read this, and it always comes back to God being unfair. Unfair? Unfair? He gave them every single thing they needed, except one thing they wanted. And we're saying God is the problem? God's the problem? Well, why did God? Why? God's not the problem here. He set them up for perfect success. Rebellion is what brought them down. And so God brings discipline into their life. But then I can spend a lot of time there. I don't want to because I want to take you to the next one. I want to talk to you about the covered son. The covered son. amazing. When you read the scripture, it says that earlier, or before their fall, it says that Adam and Eve were naked and felt no shame and were unashamed. As life in the garden. <laughs> it's just really weird to me, though. And I'm butt naked. <laughs> no shame. Planting gardens, picking fruit. That's what the Bible said. And there was no shame in it. And then they sinned, rebelled, came against God. And the Bible says that they realized, the Bible says their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. They never knew that before that. They never felt the shame of it prior to that. Sin brought them to a place of shame. Sin brought them to a place of, oh my goodness, look at me. How many know sin still is a way of making us feel ashamed? Let me tell you something. There are many people that some of you deal with and some of I've dealt with that they have failed and failed and failed and failed over and over. And they know they have failed over and over and they're so ashamed and they don't need you to help them feel ashamed. Just don't. And in their shame, they sought to cover themselves with fig leaves. They provided their own covering. What does the father do? What does the father do? The father says, I'm going to cover them. I'm going to cover them. He kills an animal. Sheds that blood to make a covering for his children. I don't understand Churches and Christians who won't cover people in their nakedness and their shame. I'm not saying, I'm not, what I'm not saying is to say your sin is okay. 
I'm not saying that at all. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But it's never your job to expose it to the world. Shame. You see, this, this, because shame is a fruit of sin. But honor is fruit from the Father. Father says, listen, I know you, you're naked and you feel ashamed. You've tried to cover yourself. Let me take care of this for you. I'm going to shed the blood of this animal because I want to cover your nakedness. I want to cover your shame. I want to restore honor to you. Covering is used by the Father to bring honor back to the Son. It's an amazing story, isn't it? Listen to me this morning. Let me just segue here for just a moment. Some of you here, you got kids. They've done stuff that has embarrassed you. They've done stuff that you've been disappointed in. I had a son that did things that was very disappointing. Sometimes I was embarrassed, but I was never ashamed to call him my son. Never ashamed to say that's my son. Can I say to you this morning? That God looks down. He sees Adam. He sees what he does. He sees the rebellion. He sees him trying to cover himself. He sees him naked. He sees him ashamed. He says, I'm not going to approve what you did. I'm going to bring the discipline into your life. You're going to have to deal with the consequences. But I will not let you you walk in shame. I will not let you uncover. I am not ashamed of you. You're still my son. When you read it, it's almost like it's a tragic ending, right? God banishes them from the garden. They cannot be allowed to live forever. Consequences. Even after we get saved, how many know sometimes we're still dealing with the consequences of choices we made prior in life? And it's a sad, sad story the way it ends. Banished from the garden. God has a guard there. Nobody's coming in there. It would be terrible. It would be a terrible ending if we didn't know the rest of the story. Because let me quickly, well, that's relative, isn't it? Remind you of another son of God. Let me remind you of Jesus, the son of God. And how many know we thank God for Jesus today? Thank God that all through the Old Testament, God had relationship with his people. But how many know in Christ, we now have the fulfillment of all the Old type, Testament types and shadows. But Jesus, the Bible tells us, was the begotten son of God. All right, what does that mean? It means of the same species, of the same nature. He wasn't created like Adam from the dust of the ground. How many know he, that, that Jesus was not born of the creative work of God from the dust to the ground. Nor was Jesus born of a woman, but the Bible says he was begotten of God, coming from the same species, the same likeness, the same, coming from God. He was begotten son of God. Okay? 
Adam was the created son. Jesus was the begotten son. All right, Adam was the rebellious son. How many know Jesus was the obedient son? Adam was the disciplined son. How many know Jesus was the rewarded son? Okay, you got Adam was the one who was disciplined and ended with death. And how many know his death, his sin, brought death to all of humanity? But Jesus is the redeeming son. You see, you got the begotten son of God. You got Jesus was the obedient son. He was the rewarded son, and he is the redeeming son. But what does that mean for you and I? What does that mean for us who believe? What does it mean? All right. Well, I'm glad you asked. It means that we who believe are the created sons of the Father. How many of us where we started with Adam being the created son? Then we came to Jesus, the begotten son. And for us who believe in the begotten son, how many know that now for us who believe, we become and we are the created sons of the Father? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? We are the created sons of the Father. Galatians 3, 26 says this, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. How is it that I'm a son of God? Listen to me. We always hear this all the time. We're all God's children. No, we're not. We become a son of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We become the sons of God through faith in what Jesus, the begotten son of God, did for us. Right? He was the redeeming son, and because he was the redeeming son, our elder brother, he provided a way that you and I can be the created sons of the Father. Paul says this in Colossians don't lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and you put on the new self, who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Get this this morning. I'm almost done. Hang with me, all right? Everybody say, keep going. That was pretty good. I mean, you actually said that like you meant it. So what does this mean? It means that now, like Adam, I, you, we are now created once again in the image of the Father. We're born anew from above, created in the image of the Father. I just read you that scripture that we are being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Aren't you glad that you're being renewed to the image of God and not being renewed to the image of Pastor Jim? Boy, that was quick back there. (coughs) I mean, think about it. Listen to me for a moment. There's lots of places and lots of things out there today that are trying to shape you into their image. When God the Father says, no, 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 no. Through my son, I'm going to create you once again into my image. I'm created now in the likeness of the Father. Romans, for if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, we certainly shall be with him in the likeness of his resurrection. How many know we're a new creation? The old has gone, the new has come. I'm a created son in the image and the likeness of the Father. I'm now created like Adam for the work 
of the Father. It's an honor to be used by him. It's an honor to work for him. Listen to me this morning. Some of us need to say, you know what? Let me tell you what driving a van is. It's an honor to be a part of God's work. It's an honor to be an usher. It's an honor to be working the cafe. It's an honor to teach in Sunday school. It's an honor to be in the nursery because I'm doing it for the kingdom of God, for my father in heaven. It's an honor. It's an honor. He's entrusting his work to me. He's entrusting it to me. Ephesians, Paul said, for were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. And then what does God do? God says, I'm going to create you, recreate you, born anew from above, created in Christ Jesus to be once again the image of the Father in the world, to once again be the likeness of the Father, to do the work of the Father. And yes, you're going to be given the authority of the Father to work and walk with. I don't know about you, but this sounds like pretty good stuff to me. You know why it sounds like good stuff? Because it's the Bible. (laughs) Not Pastor Jim's words, it's the Bible's words. When we come to the Father through the begotten Son, we're born anew by the Spirit of God. And once again, we have become what God destined us to be. Say this with me. I am a created son. The only way it happens is when I put faith in Jesus and come to the Father, to the redeeming son. Come on, Troy. Do I got more scriptures? I don't know. Him looking at me. I don't think so. I'm going to close. I'm setting the table because in the next few weeks, I don't have a title yet. Like, Troy nags me. You got a series? Do you have a series? I said to him yesterday, Troy, I said, you want a series? I'm struggling for a sermon. <laughs> like, like, you know. And then God, but God just begins to download stuff. And God just begins to give stuff. And I'm going to take us on a journey. It was a journey I started in January. And with Dr. Norai here, he kind of prompted a little something that was already in me. All of creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. We must be the sons of God in this hour. We must be the sons of God in this hour. We must show the world what the Father looks like, what the Father sounds like. I'm going to do a message already. I can tell you one message I'm going to do. I'm not telling you this next week. One time I told the church what I was going to preach next week. Do you know it was a year that I preached it? I kid you not. I said, next week I'm going to preach to you. What do you do when there's no ram in the bush? It took a year until God let me preach that message. Never did that mess again. But I am going to tell you, there's going to be several different types of this. One of them is going to be the speech of the son, the son's speech. I'm going to tell you something. There are sometimes our words, our speech. And I'm not talking about the four letter words. 
I really don't care about them. I care more about the critical garbage that I hear so often. What do the sons talk like? How do the sons, what does the, the sons, how many know the sons' speech, speech is shaped by the father's words? What comes out of here should be what's coming in here from the Father. When it's coming in here, it should come out of here. Some of us are gonna some of us are gonna have to repent. Notice I said us. Some of us are gonna have to repent some of these messages and say, Oh man, I have been anything but a son. But today I want to leave you with this, just this simple thing. I showed it to you in the Old Testament of what a created son looked like. I showed it to you in the New Testament. It's who we are. It's not who we will be. Come on. It's who we are. I am now a son of God. Everybody say now. Because if we push it off to the future, it gives me excuse in the present. Well, I'm just not there yet. It's a great excuse. I want to leave you. See, everything that we need, everything that we are, everything that we will be, is found in being the Son of God, the sonship with the Father, with the Father. And so it's with those words, Father, I come to you this morning. And I would say to you, reveal to us in a greater dimension this morning what it means to be a son of the Father. It's not just a ticket punched to heaven. No, 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 no. That we would be true sons that would reveal the Father in this hour, in this age, in this day. Father, this morning, may we understand that you're at work in us, creating, molding, shaping. And may we understand this morning that you, you have prohibitions in our life not to take away our joy, but to enhance it. Not to restrict us, but to maximize us. To bring us to potential. May we not be rebellious sons. May we be repentant sons when we rebel. And so, Father, we set the table today for the weeks ahead. Where we will work on what it means to be the created sons of God 
in this hour. What it looks like. What it sounds like. What it smells like. Wet our appetites this morning with this message. And most of all, through these next number of weeks, make us, form us and shape us to be the ones that creation longs to see and needs to see and yearns to see. Not so they see us, but so they see you. In Jesus' name, amen.